Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, hockey is back and so are we. <laughs> that, was a, that was a new intro. I like that one. <laughs> Grazie. Grazie. How are you guys? I am good. How are you? Feels like a lifetime ago. It was all three of us. Yeah, it's been the last like month or two of episodes has just been like, yeah, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. Daniel, you are back, but we will still not be talking about all or nothing. Because we, we want we're you know, we're we're building anticipation. Right now it's it's like our we're playing but like we're hurt and we need to get all our strength back right now cuz we're all a little tired. It's pretty late yeah. tonight. But we continue to play. It's in a position now where it's oh my, it's seven o'clock and it's dark, and you're like, oh no, winter's here, and it was like nine degrees this morning. It's ah, it's not a good feeling. You know when like you get in your car and um, but it's cold and you want to go put your heater on, but it puts out the cold air, and it's like, wow, this is awful. Yeah. I took yeah, a pillow. I, I took like a, a blanket with me in the car today. You know what I kept saying? What? And people said, yeah, this is pretty obvious. What? I don't know. I still have an attachment to it. I kept saying summer is truly over. And they're like, yeah, it's it's more than halfway yeah. so, through October. So summer is gone and, 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 and winter is coming. There it is. Ah, the show's been done for a couple of years. But ah, yeah, winter is coming. <laughs> Sean Bean. Busted. Anyway, uh, hockey's a thing, isn't it, guys? Um We've got a pretty hectic episode here, including some sort of bleeding from last week, some more stuff. But uh, we're going to talk about, to open the show, the big news of the day, probably news of the week around the NHL. Evander Kane has been suspended for 21 games for violating the Leeds COVID protocol. We don't know officially in the league statement they've said the NHL has uh, announced this today that the San Jose Sharks forward Evander Kane has been suspended for 21 games. Uh, for 21 regular season games without pay, I believe, by the way, that that goes out to more than a million dollars he's going to lose. Um, uh, for an established violation and lack of compliance with the NHL, NHL, PA, COVID-19 protocol. Uh, by the way, Kane did have a statement. It's quite brief. <clears throat> I would like to apologize to my teammates, the San Jose Sharks organization, and all Sharks fans. For violating the NHL COVID protocols. I made a mistake. One I sincerely regret and take responsibility for. During my suspension, I will continue to participate in counseling to help me make better decisions in the future. When my suspension is over, I plan to return to the ice with great effort, determination, and love for the game of hockey. Uh, I don't mean to laugh. Um, because at the same time, apparently the NHL's investigation to do with the case with his wife, um, there's been no evidence, nothing proved there. So that's uh, three of his four investigations where nothing has been found. But it's the fourth one, and it's the COVID one. It's severe. Apparently, it will not be appealed. Your guys, Daniel, you're back, so I'll give it to hear you here first. 21 games isn't enough of Vander Kane for violating COVID protocol. That's pretty sizable, and I think that what the NHL is trying to do, what they're trying to show with what was going on in other cases, I think 
this is really the example now. That's the standard of okay. Listen, if you're not gonna follow the rules, then you're not gonna play. And 21 games. I like when I first saw it, I assumed that you know when like they have the infographic where they just said 21 games. Mm-hmm. I assumed it was for something else, really? like or like things combined, where it's like okay, a lot of his allegations have all been combined, and we're not gonna let him play. For 21 games but or i think it was like a team issue thing where it was something where it's like okay this is something detrimental to the team itself mm-hmm. you're gonna stay away from the team because that happens a lot where there's a player and it happens a lot in the nba where there's a certain player and he does something or there's something going on in his personal life that you allow him you you suspend him from the team indefinitely or just don't show up Mm-hmm. So I assumed it was like that, but yeah, I don't know. Shocking at first, but an example of okay, the NHL is at least looking at what other leagues are doing when it comes to this. Alex, are you surprised by this? We have seen the NHL probably of all the the leagues in North America. Period have been probably the tightest when it comes to COVID and getting vaccinated for its players and staff. Yeah, they've weirdly been the. They've been the strictest in terms of the restrictions. Like they're the only league not to uh, ask for that exemption uh, that the NBA and the MLB did. So uh, it shouldn't come as a surprise to people. I I just wanted to point out one thing from his, from what he said is he wants to continue to get better. Was that what he said in the, Um, in in his statement? Um, so he says, uh, I admit responsibility, uh, you know, I regret and take responsibility for it. Sincerely regret it. Uh, during my suspension, I will continue to participate in counseling to make me make, sorry, to help me make better decisions. Yeah, that part. I think that's a, a, a really telling part in the, in his statement. And I think now it's up to the PA and the league to make sure that happens i like i think in my eyes more the pa like just because they they're the players union right um i think it's up to these guys to make sure that if he wants to get better they need to be there to support him to get better or at least push him to do it like he we talk about being held accountable right like this is one of those ways and making sure that a player in the league who wants to get help should get go should get help. Uh, I, 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 and my mic's cutting out. You hate to see that. Yeah. You hate it's to hear that. It's coming in. Uh, okay. Hold on. Now it's working. Oh, you're good. Okay. You're good. You're, you're, good? Good. you're good. Okay. Uh, I don't buy it. Um, I thought that was a lackluster. Okay, so I just quickly went on Google because I haven't checked this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and guys, do you know how many reasons there are to get vaccinated? And to, you know, if, if, so we don't know if he was vaccinated or not, but to comply with COVID rules, you know how many reasons there are? How many? 4.55 million. I'm just looking, I did a quick Google search. That's how many deaths there's been from COVID, right? Mm-hmm. What Evander Kane has done violating protocol has put uh his team at risk has put the 
the staff of the Sharks at risk. If he was around for games and had traveled, um, you know, they've, they, the Sharks have played games, they've won. Now, they're now in Canada, by the way, which again, and, and if it has to do with this fake passport, that's also a crime. Um, coming into Montreal, there we go. Um, he put people's lives in danger, did Evander Kane. Um, and, and I think 21 games is just not enough. Um, again, remember Rafi Torres for just getting too many suspensions, got a year? Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, bye, buddy. Saba Voinov to a point for what he did is, is, is banned. Like, he is gone. Uh, what Evander Kane did is just, it's, there's been so much stuff. And now that we, we have seen that there is some conclusion and investigation where he's violated the rules that this league has put in place, um, it is beyond disappointing. And, um, I, I, at this point, there is just no place in the league for him, in my opinion. Uh, it's, I just don't think there's enough there. I think it's half-assed. Um, and then I'm not sorry about it because mm-hmm. I don't think Evander Kane is. I'm going to get counseling for, for violating COVID rules. Dude, we've been in the pandemic. We're not far off of two years now. I just, um, ah. Is that point you mentioned where it's interesting what's going to really happen? Because 21 games is a lot. And, you know, he already had a shaky, shaky relationship with a lot of his teammates. You don't really hate him. You don't know where the, you don't know where his role is going to be. That's a lot of money still left on his contract. Which he needs. Yeah. So there's a lot of factors there. Like when I saw that he was losing about a million dollars like that, that, that's a lot that he really needs. He needs everything he can get. And I don't like I've mentioned before in previous episodes where this COVID thing is just another thing that is being added on to what's going on with him. And again, I know that the other stuff, the other cases right now um, have been dealt with, but it's just it just it just keeps adding on to a point where not only I'm like, cause I'm talking right now about what he's going to be for the sharks, mm-hmm. but if they were to somehow get out of his contract or for find cause to buy him out without a penalty, what's his future in the league? You know, I, I, you're just kind of making me think like, do the team suspend him when he gets back? Cause remember the, the, the caps did with Kuznetsov with the white powder video. Um, just sorry, one quick thing. I don't mean to go off your point here. I just did some math. So I did a million divide by 50,000, right? So like, let's just say that you make $50,000. What's that? So we take, I could be, my math could be totally off here, but what? That's 20 years of work with no savings at all, just to make a million dollars. And you know, just, I'm just saying, and he just kind of threw it out the window. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really like, who wants this guy around the league just for the pure, it's the it's the hockey thing that Steve Dango has talked about of he just seems like a bad guy. Who wants him around right now? Who wants a a media headache right now in the National Hockey League? Who the stress upon everything in the league right now? We have teams that are dealing with playing shorthanded and that. You think anyone's going to really want to have to deal with Vander Kane after this when he's had four investigations done on them by the league? And uh, uh, like the, everything that has happened with this guy the past what like uh, um like nearly a year two years with him I I would not touch him with uh, um a pole the size of the continent right now I would not touch him at all and if any any GM does they're a fool 
I don't like. Oh, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say something where it was kind of joking a little bit, but it actually could be a reality in the next year or two where if Arizona takes a certain approach to what they want to do with the rebuild, you know, they're going to have to hit the floor somehow, right? Uh, I don't know. No. I don't think the Coyotes can take that risk. I think Montreal, Carolina, and, and Arizona should just not touch that. I, I don't want to shoot your idea down so quickly, Daniel, because because mm-hmm. I, I think any other situation, it probably is that, right? Like we've had, uh, we looked at OEL's contract when he was traded to Vancouver and we're like, well, he's going to be back in Arizona in three or four years when it doesn't look great. But the thing with Kane is that, He's an issue. He's a locker room issue. There's an issue somewhere. And that if you're a rebuilding team, and I'm assuming um, Bill Armstrong, right? It's Bill Armstrong in in Arizona knows that if you want to build a winning mentality, you can't have that in the room. You can't. You just can't. And I'm not saying like there was a list of moves in San Jose that were made that ruined the culture. That ruined the mentality there. Not that they won anything per se, right? Like, unfortunately, they did not win the Stanley Cup. They made moves to try to do that, and it tore everything down. And I think the point is, is that it's very, it's very sacred to have a winning mentality, to have the mentality of Boston or Tampa Bay or the 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 70s. Um, uh, Canadians and the eighties Islanders, right? Am I, those are the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like it, it's a, it's a mentality that a lot of people just don't have. And I to, agree it, with you that. Right? Yeah. Like that's why, it, that's why I don't think Arizona is the destination for him because they're trying to do it properly. In my eyes, they're trying yeah. to do it properly, whether upper management agrees, that's a different story, but I think they're trying to build something good there. That's interesting because I remember when, the Evander Kane trade uh, from Buffalo first happened and we all were talking about how, okay, you know, right situation, different culture, maybe he's going to settle down now. And I assumed that was the case because he performed so well right away after the deadline. And then they gave him that huge extension. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Just, sorry, just to add on to, or yeah, no worries. Say we, to talk about what you were saying there, um, Adam, I don't necessarily like I agree with the points. I just think for me, if he's going to be in this league, if they couldn't find a way to if they couldn't terminate his contract or make it void or in whatever sense they would, I I just think you got to make sure that he's not going to become a problem in the future is my, is my sense of thinking, because it's like you said, what team wants to take this guy? His own team does not like him. That's all but been confirmed by the players, right? It's like everyone except Timo Meyer for some reason. Yeah. Like that, (laughs) that's, that's why I think it's on the PA and the NHL to make sure that he actually does what he says he's going to do. Instead of saying, well, he said he's going to do it. Like no one else in life goes around saying, I'm going to do things. Like if you do something bad, if you are in court and you have a certain sentence or volunteer hours, they make sure you do that. And I'm not, I'm not, comparing the two per se but what i'm doing is saying the idea behind it is that you have to be held accountable for your actions 
And I think now it's the PA and the NHL's job to make sure that he gets help if he's going to be in your league. Mm-hmm. My prediction is after the 21 games, the Sharks are just going to tell him, don't bother coming. Uh, just go home? Yeah, just stay home. So and then if- what, though, right? Sorry. I think like they're going to wait until the summer and buy him out. Well, funny you say that, Daniel. Uh, if they buy him out June 15th of 2022, uh, the buyout is for six more years. The cap hit would be 3.6 next year, 2.6 the year following, 4.6 that, and the last three years are 1.6. So it's 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 tolerable, especially for a team that you would expect is rebuilding or whatever, because obviously they, if it was a worse buyout than that, obviously with their cap situation, but you know at this point... Um, Something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. Um, I think that's a good place to leave Evander Kane. And uh, maybe we can move on to, if we're upset, at least it's a silly upset because it's about the teams we like um, and them just not playing well. Um, or in the Leafs' case, playing well, even though it seems Mika Zibanejad has just scored. Um, what oh, a great set it? of hair that guy has. Um, anyway, yeah, because the Leafs' game is going on right now. Let's see this Jack Campbell. Plays the puck up there. Um, turn is a turnover. Who knows what happens here? Oh, it's pretty are. sweet. There's Jack Campbell. There's a shot. It's in. I think it went off the post. You are so far ahead of me. Oh. <laughs> it, it looked cool. I don't know if they were I, I, didn't, I didn't think it went in, but okay, cool. Whatever. It, it, it did? I it think did, it was just it a did. wicked release. Yeah. Good was. for me because of Banach. I a good player. Yeah. yeah. Earning that contract. And just what a great head of hair. Anyway, we should That's move good. on. We should. Um, we're, we're talking about the Leafs. Daniel, mm-hmm. have you liked Nick Ritchie? Yeah, I think I'm a fan. Yeah, are you? Yeah, are you more than just a fan? If there was a fan club of Nick Ritchie, where would you be in the pecking order of said fan club? A uh, leader for sure. For I would sure. agree. For yes, sure. thank you. I'm so happy he's on the Leafs. Why? Because he was the duck. Because there was like why? Exactly. What do you like so much about Nick Ritchie? Okay, three things. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, in order. World Junior Champion. That's yep. He anchored that bottom six with a legend of this podcast, Frederick Gauthier. <laughs> hey, okay. this is the okay, guys. I'm gonna tell you that fourth line. It was the 2015 World Juniors. Okay. And this was their fourth line. Okay. Nick Ritchie. Okay. Frederick Gauthier, and Lawson Krauss. Wow. That's not bad. Well, suppose he was lost in Kraus, but Austin Kraus was a weird prospect that year, right? Yeah. No, all just, all sorry, first round picks. Yeah. Yeah. Their fourth line was all first round picks. That's so weird. Remember, was it last year's Canadian team that was like all but like it was like all their forwards were first rounders, or whatever. Still yeah. lost to the states. I think there's like two exceptions. I think only the goalies and Jordan Spence, who was like a fourth round pick. We're yeah. the only non-first rounders. Remember, remember the year Canada beat Sweden. The "Hey baby, you want to be my girl" go song year. Yeah, was it the Slovakian coach? All in the first round, except except one in the fourth. We have one in the fifth. One, and two, one. <laughs> like then that's it. No, but um, you, you know, seriously, what, what have you guys thought of Nick Ritchie? It's only three games and a little bit in now, but you know, it's everyone's going to have a microscope on whoever plays on that show. The top line, top six, period. Daniel, I think this is what he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. What I mean, like, I think that he tried his best in Anaheim, 
but he needed to get traded to Boston to refine his game and become what he's supposed to be. And that's what I really like about him. And yeah, I know he was a duck and he still plays that game where he's the type of guy where a lot of people, even when he was drafted, it's like, this is a very throwback draft pick, but he didn't just stay there. You saw that there was the intention for him to get better, that he wanted to improve his skating. He just wanted to, he didn't want to just be that big guy. He didn't want to be what I always call is those caution picks. When you have a power forward where it could go two ways where you could get a Mark Stone out of it, or you're just going to get a guy that's going to become a bottom six grinder. And I think that he's working to not just be that. I mean, it's working out pretty well for him, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just going to say, I think it, it needs what he needs to be for this team is a mix of both that bottom six grinder and that the, um, what, what what would you use to describe him? Um, crash the net crash the net type guy like you need a a mix of of both of that that's what fits on that line with matthews and marner or whoever the winger other winger is to be honest um and i just i don't know if i've necessarily seen that from him per se like i think there's still room for improvement i think he needs to be more of crash the net guy because that's what's gonna help and right now he's pointless in three games, which isn't the best, but like I'd prefer it to be better. Like I haven't seen standout qualities yet. Do you think it's different because Matthews and Marner, they're used to, I think, a different type of guy on the left side. Like Zach Hyman was more of that hmm. guy that digs, the guy that does the dirty stuff. And then Nick Ritchie's more of like that big body presence. But that's what I'm saying. Like that like yeah. he needs to be, he needs to be able to do both. And I think he can do both. Like he has the size. He has the size that Hyman per se didn't necessarily have. He is a bigger guy than Hyman. It it isn't Marner's problem if someone can't play with him. That's the other guy's problem. Like it, it's Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner doesn't need to change anything about the way no. he plays for Nick Ritchie. No. You know, so just correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't seen the total lineups today, but when last time I saw, I saw a certain Michael Bunting on the second line. Is that yes. a thing tonight? That is a thing tonight. So they moved Kerfoot down to the third line mm -hmm. um, and bunting up to the second line. So I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to. Yeah. Because if, if we talk about going to the net, who have we been seeing just completely doing that since game one? Michael Bunting. I think Mike uh, I think it's been set in stone from the moment they signed him. He's, gonna, he's working his way up there. And I think it's going to happen pretty, pretty soon if Richie doesn't start turning it on, honestly. Oh, for sure. I, I, I think he's, I'm not entirely sure why they're not doing it tonight. Maybe they're going to give him a chance now that Matthews is back and like kind of see how that all together rolls. Sure. Um, yeah. but then again, it's like, if you couldn't play well with Mitch, maybe they just want to see what they have when everyone's together. That's the best way I could maybe think of it, but maybe that's the way Keith's thinking. You know, it's a win-win situation because we already predicted one of them on the left side is going to get a 30 and 30 season. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. We just don't know which one yet. We don't know. Not Precisely. Yet. It's Andre Kasha. No, I'm kidding. I mean, Michael Bunting has two points in three games. So give him He's the, in the scoring race. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't say it. I know who said that. Um, we should probably, a good story that's been around Toronto as well. I mean, like decent school, nothing special. Um, which one, Alex which one? Bishop. 
great call, emergency signing. Imagine the the e bug um, from the goalie for universities. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. So he plays for U of T, but I want to say the last game he played, Alex Bishop. No, what school? I don't know that school. The the one that doesn't matter. The one that's oh. like even though our school doesn't have a great reputation right You're now. You're not wearing a sweater right now. <laughs> yeah, whoa, well, yeah, whoa. but you graduated from Ryerson. Yeah. Or if we can say it, who knows anymore. But I like, just graduated. Exactly. So yeah, but yeah, exactly. You have like commitment to Ryerson at least. Anyway, no cuz the so anyway, but I'm pretty sure the last like university game that Alex Bishop had played wasn't it a loss to Ryerson. I believe so. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, maybe they picked the wrong goalie. I mean, it didn't matter because, you know, they won the game of Campbell. But and that, that displayed me to the second Sens game, obviously. But uh, the reason he was playing, though, great stories, because Peter Morazic seems to be out. I think by now it's going to be 12 ish more days. Um, made an awkward save, I believe, was the end of the second period in that first game versus the Sens. Um, by the way, I just want to point out in that game against the Sens, the the one where the Leafs almost came back and Campbell came in in relief. I just wanted to say, holy cow! I thought he was really good. Yeah. Like coming into relief isn't always easy, and the saves that he was making was amazing. Yeah, man, he's looked uh, pretty decent. Uh, even that first game where the first ten minutes were not great, like he did have to come up a couple times, and he has. Like I think. What he's done so far is exactly what he's he's been asked to do. Yeah, and this is a situation now where I wanted to see him, per se, like try to solidify that starting position because I know that they were going to try to do that tandem situation, especially with the term and the money they gave Peter Masaryk. Mm-hmm. And I think Campbell has done amazing because that was the one concern I had coming into the season and I know it's still pretty early but I just wanted to see because this is actually the first time in his career as an NHLer that you know he started on opening night yeah that's crazy eh and especially when you look at this is it'll also be his first full season yeah trying to be a starter too he's doing it now like unfortunately as a result of Mirazzi being hurt they had to call up Alex Bishop funny that he was like yeah I couldn't sleep so I studied <laughs> what a, I feel what a bro. that <laughs> In a way, um, in a way. But as a result, on an emergency call-up basis, um, Michael Hutchinson is back, guys. Yes, he, he is. He cannot go. Like he nah. is always there. Well, you know, you know. Now they are bring up their like fifth goalie, so that might be uh, an issue. It's what? Like the ridiculous. I'm just joking. It's ridiculous, <laughs> I, Toronto fans. But yeah, like he just cannot leave. For whatever reason, which is like he's a good AHL goalie. I'm sure he's great. He's a great guy for Ian Scott and Joseph Wall to be around. I'm sure he is. He must just be a really great guy. But but sorry, like going off of that, because the big story around Toronto for some reason was everyone kind of ripped Toronto because they didn't have the cap space to call up um, to call up Michael Hutchinson. First off, what's kind of been in the background lately, uh, the no taxi squad thing Yeah. this season, and we've already kind of seen it affect a few teams, which was kind of awkward. like McKinnon seems to be trying his best to come back, but he keeps keeps, keeps getting negatives. Alex, oh, you pointed positives, out. Positives, positives. Sorry. Yeah, positives. Positive, positive. Negatives. It was a negative for McKinnon. Yeah. Hey. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes, it is. yes. I wish. He, <laughs> okay. I, I don't mean to make a joke. I hope he's okay. Uh, yeah, we hope he's okay. <laughs> Considering he, I told my buddy to draft him with his like third overall pick in in the in the, his fantasy I, yeah. draft. So, I also did that. But um, okay, 
I, I really have to go to the bathroom, unfortunately. Okay. So, Alex, just go in here because let's be quite frank here. Um, especially when Steve Simmons starts throwing up headlines, you know it's a bit in the ridiculous. I'm oh, sorry, I really need to. That's okay. You also saw that piece. I thought I was the only one. I saw it. I saw um, it. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's, you know, how embarrassing it is? Just embarrassing. Um, no. Listen, man, like, I just think it's, and I think you would agree with me on this, is it's just ridiculous how we're having the same conversation over again about the cap. Like, I don't see, I get it's an issue. I'm very well aware that the Leafs shouldn't, you think I'm happy that the Leafs had to sign a guy to an ATO? Like, no, no. obviously not. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. But I just feel that, you know, uh, everyone likes to say how biased this market is, but they're very easily against this market too. Like the same people. Um, this is also happening in Colorado uh, for for similar reasons as well. Like Justin, the the whole thing was Justin Hall was sick, so they needed to use Timothy Lilligren. But they couldn't put Justin Hall on LTIR or whatever because he wasn't COVID. He didn't have COVID. He was just sick. So they couldn't bring anybody up because no one else was going down. Like, that's what happened here. And other teams are going through it. I mean, like, the Leafs could have played without a backup goalie. That's always – like, that was – that's the backup plan, right? That's essentially yeah. the backup backup plan. That's what happened in Colorado with a couple guys being out to injury, suspension, COVID, a mix of things, and they couldn't bring a guy up. It happened in Vegas multiple times last year. Do you remember the plethora of trades oh, they made yeah. to and get then, Alex Petrangelo? Yeah. <laughs> and they played with less than one guy, like one guy down, more than enough last season where it's like, well, maybe there's an issue. Tampa Bay has Brent Seabrook on, on, their, uh, on their books. When was the last time that guy played? Two, three years ago? I Two, three remember. years ago. Yeah. But like, how long was Datsuk and Zetterberg on the books? They're on the books for quite some time. Yeah. Like I think it, Marion Host is still in Arizona, right? He either he's either up or he has one more year left. But like just it's ridiculous how we're talking about it team by team instead of, hey, maybe the cap just sucks. Like I I just I think it's ridiculous we're having the conversation about teams rather than the league and like to see it to see a headline leaves cap trouble embarrassing for the team and the nhl yeah it's embarrassing for the league because it sucks yo was alan walsh here i heard someone say hey. the cap was our was garbage yeah. again like it's one thing i've mentioned too before where i i like that what you said about you know for what the leafs are you just love to hate them but that's the thing where it, i don't know it's kind of like reminds me of the dodgers it reminds me of the yankees where I'm using an example of, you know, there's no cap at all, but it's just that example where, I don't know, it just, you, you get the guys, they try to win, and then it's like the most mundane thing or something simple like this, what other teams are facing, you have to bring it up and say, oh, yeah, look. I agree with everything you guys said. Yes. The We're talking about is- the article. The article, you know. It's, what article? It's- Which one? The Steve Simmons one. I didn't even read it. Oh, I did read it. No, you're right. I did read it because I had to make sure that the guy who, uh, like, uh, the people who are complaining about it are the same people who 
say, well, you know, like it's just so biased. It's like, well, you're leaving out important context in your articles. The, the, for some reason, at my work, the every day when you get there is they've delivered the sun, which is like, oh, great. And <laughs> I remember the day after the Leafs-Habs game, my boss just threw a paper on my desk because it was the whole like, oh, hey, Habs Leafs, Habs lost, obviously. Yeah. And they opened, I just saw a Steve Stimmons, Simmons article. I realized it was the sun. I just threw it away. I'm like, don't, don't do this to me. He knew what he was doing. It was like was that. Doing. Yeah, there was that. There was Tracos. I'm like, don't, don't do this. So I, I'm just gonna say this. Um, even though I bet Alex said this, but obviously I did not hear it. I'm not even gonna look at cat friendly because, but you can probably guess that half the teams are extremely close to the cap and they're in garbage situations if they lost a player. So let's not even get into this. One thing I'd just like to point sorry. out. Go ahead. It's just. What would you want? The alternative? Would you want Toronto to have an internal cap? Would you want like? Either way, if you look at it, other people are going to criticize and say, hey, they're not spending to the cap. They, they're they not serious about winning. Yeah, I mean, hey, well, there's that, that's the thing with the Sens, right? Is, hey, you don't spend money, so you're freaking out trying. And we all have that sort of thing with the Sens, right? And um, no, we did talk about the Kachuk contract last episode. Yeah, we did. that was a different situation, though. With yeah, them. no, I, like, I know. It just came to my mind, though. But, you know, you know it's, yeah. it's, but you know what? It kind of kind of messes with the perception of your market, right? Yeah. Um, I think like, we had less than 9,000 people last, like the last game. Oh, Ooh, the Sens? Yeah. Well, did you see that? Funny enough, and we'll go back to the Leafs in a second here because we just want to talk about the start of the season before we go to the Montreal side of things. But the Laval Rockets home opener game, for those of you who don't know, that's Montreal's AHL team, outdrew the Sabres home opener by like 100 seats. It was hilarious. Didn't matter. Their fans got the last lap because they won the game, but I just thought that was really, really funny to mention. You know why? Why? Because a legend was born in Laval. Uh, who is the legend specifically? Jose Theodore. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, the Sabres undefeated. How funny is that? As Going we back expected. To, yeah, no, yeah, everyone knew. Even though one was against Arizona, and you're like, God, no one watched that game. Um, but going back to the Leafs, and uh, Leafs Twitter got into a stirrup when Adam Wilde was criticizing the way that he, the, the Leafs had lost to the Sens in game two of the season. Um, he made a really interesting point, which we can kind of talk about here, is that, you know, it is sort of criticizing the Leafs, basically, with, it was, they couldn't start on time, and then they just, by the time they put their foot on the gas, it was too late, they charged out, firing all cylinders in the third, and it just wasn't enough. Um, and that has obviously been a knockback of the team since, um, uh, Babcock was a thing? Probably what his 20, yeah, that's that's a long, remember 2016? I don't know if Daniel has lagged out, by the way, because his face is just, yeah, he's gone. Okay, so we'll we'll stall while he gets back in. Um, but it's just been this sort of narrative where it's like, you can't criticize the team when they're three games in, but what Adam Wilde sort of argues here is that it's still the Leafs, though. It's still this core. It's, uh, it's, it's from game one. It is the Sheldon Keefe line of Stanley Cup habits. And I think, you know, if we're ta- if anyone took one thing from the all or, all or nothing documentary, it should be Stanley Cup habits. Three words, one sentence. That's it. Like, that's what this team needs. It needs to create. Like, I thought that was evidently clear in five episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think we all, you know, they 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 came into this season saying how different it was going to be and how upset they were going they were and 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 you know how rough as, of a summer it was. And then it's like, well, I get it's game three, but like there's a difference. There's there's a difference between you know just some bad luck and some rust and not having the same habits as before. And it just seems to me that two games in a row, they didn't have it. They didn't to start. They didn't have it. And I don't care if it's the first or second game of the season. The core is the same. The guys who weren't perform, the guys who were performing are new. Mm-hmm. The best guy on the ice on that first game was probably Michael Bunting. And not because he put up a point or whatever. It's because his ass was in front of the net every time he was on the ice. Mm-hmm. It is uh, it is very fair to say. Now, I mean, we're even looking at this Rangers game, and obviously we're not having super close eyes on it right now because we're recording. But I can see, I think the Leafs have at least two power plays there. They go over two on, and this with Matthews back, that first line should, or that first, um, that first unit should be firing all cylinders. They're losing by one. Um, obviously, you know, sometimes you just got to look at the black and white of it. Yeah. That could be happening exactly right now. Um, and there's a problem there. It is you don't win. You don't win. Forget just most games. You don't win in the playoffs by starting off and you know twenty minutes into a game. And so, and we saw that in every single one of the seven games against Montreal, was it was Montreal coming out of the gates all like firing in all cylinders, and it was the least playing catch up. And you know what? There were games where they caught up, but at the end, it just wasn't enough. Everyone goes on about that game six overtime game and Price stopping fourteen. If you had gotten the early hop and you get that like a goal or two a little earlier, and then you shut Montreal down for the rest of the game because they couldn't play from behind the entire playoffs, that probably doesn't go with a six. It's just the the pure thing of if it's it's the same thing that every championship team sort of looks at the regular season for, but it's it's starting to really be mentioned in Toronto because you have the tape of it. And yeah, is the the best teams in the world fine tune their game in the regular season. It's basically a warm up for them, and it's from there it is putting everything together when everything aligns when you get to the postseason. Yeah, it's not a difficult concept. No, it's not. And I think it's not about that. There are issues. That's more than like I think every team has their issues to start the season. There was no such thing as a perfect team except last year's Tampa Bay lightning. Like that's maybe the exception, how good that team was. But with this Toronto Maple Leafs team, with the core of Matthews, Marner, Nylander and the, and Riley and the addition of Tavares, it has been the same issue for six years. Since Matthews was drafted, it's it's a repeating thing in my head of Mike Babcock saying, we didn't start on time. We didn't start on time. We didn't start on time. Am I as angry as Adam Wilde? Probably not. Probably not. But that's because I just don't have that energy uh, that he does at the moment. Good for mm-hmm. him. But damn right, he has every right to be pissed off because it's the same thing over and over again of not starting on time. Like, it's ridiculous at this point to say they're 24, 25 years old. John Tavares is 30, 31. 
Where did the years go, eh? Oh, I was always hearing them talk about the different ages. Some of the guys are like, man, it feels like they were just drafted. Mm-hmm. Hello, Daniel. What, what do I you agree think? with everything was that was said. It, it's now Alex's turn to somehow, for uncontrollable circumstances, leave the call, and then something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Hopefully oh. not. Okay. Um, from here, lads. I think it's I think it's good that we move on to the Montreal Canadiens. They did have their home opener on Saturday. How was it? It was fun. I think I've been to like the past three or four home openers. They've lost all of them. Um, because of course they have. But um, it's always fun going to a hockey game, especially home openers in Montreal. You know, they're just different feelings. Um, there was a pregnant woman in the row ahead of me. Didn't have her mask on the entire time. Oh, no. Yeah, that's when you're like, okay, all right, okay. That's, you know... I would maybe do that if I were you, but you know, that's just me. The staff were trying their best. Like, it's really funny. Of all the games I've went to at the Bell Center, they have never once put the lights on on the upper bowl. They did at the Saturday game when they were starting to really look at people trying. Like, but again, it's 22,000 people. It's impossible, but like, they, they were trying. Um, you know, I recorded the, um, the player introductions in that because I always do. So that was pretty hype. And, you know, seeing the. I went into that game really hoping that Shea Weber would have some sort of um, acknowledgement. I wasn't expecting it for Price because I thought maybe they'd give him the space that he needs, but they acknowledged both of them. They both had tremendous, tremendous receptions. And, of course, the last player who was technically introduced because they didn't do it by captains, they just did it up by the numbers. Uh, last player introduced was Jonathan Druid. And, uh, you know, that was pretty hype. You know, that was very, very hype. So yeah. that's pretty sick. But no, it was it was fun. There was, you know me, they lost the game and there was a lot wrong with it. We can get in that get in that in a second. And you know me, I hate moral victories at this point. But you gotta take them when you can sometimes. And you know, especially when you waste the time going to Montreal when you live in Pickering and uh, you know, you're working on the car on the way there and you're just trying to get it hold and you're rushing to get the last year calls done so you can get ready and go to the you know, go to the game and that. Um and you know, like seeing Jonathan Drew and score a goal. Only four to do so so far. That was pretty cool. So you know you gotta you gotta enjoy those games while you can. But you know there was obviously a lot wrong with it. Um, uh, before we get into that, I just wanted to mention one thing, and that is Pierre Gervais, who is the equipment manager, the head one for Montreal. He's been around since the eighties. Um, I think he came onto the main staff like after the like eighty five and that. So he was around for the ninety three cup. I think he's been to four something Olympics. He's like, like Renault Lavoie called him the Wayne Gretzky of the equipment staff, and this is his last year. Uh, he'll be having some other role afterwards, but he's retiring his head, sort of head guy when it comes to the um, equipment stuff. And uh, I, I felt like we needed to acknowledge that because the equipment staff, I think from fans and certain media, we don't give them enough attention, but the players, I think any player will tell you just how much they love those guys and how, like, think of it like this, right? Who the one? Who are the ones taking care of your smelly equipment after the game, making sure your sticks are there for you? They're moved, you know, across the country when you're traveling. Yeah. It's the equipment guys, right? So think of that. Like with the team since the '80s. Oh, ignore the alarm. Like think of how nuts that is. That's a long time. Yeah, long time. Yeah, just really cool. I thought that was really nice. I thought that was really nice. Um, but we got to go off of something kind of nasty now. The Habs are 0 three to start the year. They have scored off the top of my head. I'm three. thinking three right. goals, two from Jonathan Drouin, one from Chris Weidman, who may not play tomorrow because I think Sammy Nuku took a spot. Um, 
the power play I don't think is scored, and it's had two five on threes. They've so nothing. Ten uh, goals. Sorry, they've allowed ten goals. Yeah. Oh, is it? Is only? Is only ten? Yeah, no, I wait, checked wait, wait. before so, uh, the well, episode where they were f- a minus seven. Was it five or six against the Sabres? Was it, wasn't it five? Five, three. Yeah, you're checked because the least one, two, one. No, that's bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's it's really not fantastic. Bad. No, it's not. Can I? Uh, Gary I, I, Gold approved. No. I, I want to throw this idea your way because I heard it uh, on my, when I was listening to 31, 32 thoughts. They updated they the, logo. the logo. They wow. did change the logo. I was it's very throwback. A little bit. It's nice. He Friedman brought up the idea that obviously Price being away from the team, Weber being away from the team, right? Because I, I did read he was in, uh, he's staying in BC. Um, and losing Deneau, uh, obviously to free agency, has... A real has had a really big effect and in a way changed the identity of the Canadians, not in the way they play, but there's just something different there. Like, I I mean, you know, when you think about the face of the franchise for the past 15 years being gone, the captain yeah. who defined the entirety of the career of the GM and their number one center, yeah. I feel like they could have compensated for the loss of Deneau. But losing, but like like losing Weber, and losing Price to start the year just felt. And then you think Hoffman was hurt too, and it's just like it felt like a continuous barrage of kick to the dicks is how I can best describe yeah. it. Listen, yeah. I think you say punch to the stomachs. It's it's not even just the identity thing. It's just it's obviously a factor, but the way I've looked at Montreal and like and trust me that game against. Like against the Rangers, I was thinking to myself during that game, I kind of miss Phil Deneau. I do. Um, what I was thinking is more to do that I see stuff that's wrong with their style of play still that was still an issue when Weber was around. Right. AKA, no offense, but Shea Weber wasn't going to continue to be a factor on the power play anymore and Carey Price is a goalie. And Phil Deneau didn't play on the power play, Right. When your special teams are awful, it's not even just like Deneau being a great penalty killer. He wasn't like an all-star ad. He's a good PK guy, but his like advanced numbers on them aren't world-breaking. Now, with even strength in that, that's a much different problem. When you see that their lack of period scoring, even at you know what at five on five is a problem, like that, that is obviously a big a big issue. What I kind of see is all of a sudden is the way they just break out the zone is there's almost no one carrying the puck out. You're relying on passes. And I start kind of seeing that, okay, when there was about two minutes left in the game, I was like, okay, Jeff Petrie should not leave the ice, right? He obviously didn't. And you're thinking, okay, so who are the forwards that need to be out there? And I'm thinking Toffoli, Suzuki, Caulfield. We'll get to that in a second. There were two, still two defensemen out there with about two, three minutes left. The other one was Ben Sherratt. Ahead of Brett Kulak. So I will remind you that David Savard and Brett Kulak, and sorry, and, and Ben Chirot were still appearing. By the way, on that Lafreniere goal, who was the third man back? It was Ben Chirot again. The problem is still deep in Montreal. 
that they still don't have defensemen that can you know jump into up into the play and help create offense. It feels like they still never work the cycle game too, and there is such a problem. Andre Markov would never have looked off a shooter and taken a one timer. Never once would he have done that. PK would have because it's PK, but he could get away with that because he had a Norris Trophy and was playing extremely well at the time. <laughs> When I see Cole Caulfield wide open for a one-timer and Shea Weber, plus ignoring Nick Suzuki as well, that's where I see the problem. It's just their entire style of play. And Shea Weber, even at the point he was in his career playing as well as he was in the playoffs, let's not forget how bad he was in the regular season. Right. Again, he can't just go and transition out the zone like he used to. He was already playing on one good leg before. And how many good knees? I think there is a grassroots problem with the way Montreal are playing. And the way and how tight the games were in the playoffs, we know does not transition well going into the regular season. And I think it's biting them. And the big problem they have right now is I don't look at it, they're just 0-3. I see it as you only have 79 games left. And you're already fighting uphill in the, in the entire standings. In such a strong... Like, look at how, how good Florida had been to start. Yeah. That's the big red flag in Montreal right now. And the good grace they had at that home opener is not... If they had gotten... If they had played that Buffalo game at the home opener, they were getting booed by the end of the first period. That's the big problem I see in Montreal right now. I think... I, I agree. I think... Um from what you're describing, like that Caulfield, the the that Caulfield Suzuki with them wide open, to me that's not a stylistic issue. That's a what what is the player doing there? Like that's a pure play player issue, right? Like I, I if they're wide open, the puck should find their way to them. It's the same argument with Matthews, right? Like why is Marner taking a shot? Find it, get it to Matthews. Mm-hmm. Well, think of it. This is why I think it's more than a player thing. Mm-hmm. Five on three against the Leafs. Yeah. Five on three. What was the play Petrie made? I Taking the shot. shot. Yeah, he took the shot. Yeah. It got yeah. Again, even when Weber was, it wasn't just Petrie. When Weber was still playing five on three, one a couple of years ago against the Leafs, it was an overtime. It was a four on three. What did they do? The entire, what was the play? One timer from Weber. That's a coaching issue right there. For sure. I, I, but I think it goes both ways. Would you not argue that? Like, I get you have your set plays, but in the moment, you also have to be smarter than saying, well, we have to stick to the plays. Like, things, you have to adapt. That's why I, I agree with you. Like, clearly, this was an issue we've agreed on since episode one of this podcast, like all mm-hmm. of us. I, I just think at the same time as it's a coaching, uh, a coaching issue, it's also a player issue. Like, there's the hockey IQ involved in this. Yeah. Yeah, it's just I think I have this thing of a lot of Habs fans have been jumping on Weber for I mean on Petrie for it, but you got to remember when it comes to power play points with Petrie overall in the league, like there's a reason he's in Norris conversation sometimes, and I just don't think like even the way they go like exiting the zone I mentioned the passes entering the zone is just chip and chase chip and chase too, and it feels like the only forward that has the right to shoot. Down low is Josh Anderson, who I love. And when he's off the rush, the way he, he skates in his size, he can work it. But he missed the net just time after time in the home open. You're thinking, I love you, Josh, but, you know, 
there are more skilled shooters than you. And I know people have been criticizing the start of the year for Caulfield and Suzuki, but you got to remember too, that power play unit is all right hand, like all righties too. <laughs> like that doesn't work, right? Like that whole unit doesn't even have chemistry. And I know like, like Caulfield like had some look, like he was still getting more looks than anyone else the way he plays off the rush. But I, I just think like, like it just doesn't make any sense to me in principle how I think even if he's just a rookie, he is the most dangerous sh- like shooting threat on that team. You find him the puck. Yeah. Like like who gets the puck first? Who gets the shooting right? And I'm not saying he's the these two players. Like I'm not saying this at all. It's Matthews who shoots. It's Ovechkin with 332, 732 goals. Sorry. I think he's like 161 back away now. He's the guy who shoots. Zabanachad's going to, or Panarin, they're the big guys. They're the shooters. They're going to get the puck first to shoot. That, that, that is a, Alex Burrow's got such an ovation at the home opener. I'm like, yeah, but the power play's awful. Don't boo him, but like he got a louder ovation than some of the players. I'm thinking, what's going on here? Okay, I'll be quick here, but there's two things that I think about where we talk about when it's a coaching issue. We've talked about this before with Dominic Deschamps. Remember, there was all of that funny meme-like commentary where he comes in and nothing really changes Yes, when the coaching happens. So this was something that was expected. And I think that the way that he saw how he was setting up everything during the finals, during that run and everything, he wanted to kind of run it back and see how things can go, even though he doesn't have the same personnel per se, especially the big guys. And Mm -hmm. I think the second thing too is, and this is just a theory, that I have when you talk about the guys taking their shots, the guys who normally shouldn't be doing those types of plays, it's there's a thing in the NBA called hero ball mm-hmm. where you try to find a spark any way you can. Kyle Lowry used to always do this, where like the Raptors are down like 20 points and he'll take those ridiculous three pointers, even though sometimes they're bricks. And mm-hmm. it's just that type of thing where you kind of show, especially from veteran guys like a Ben Sherratt or a Josh Anderson, where you show that type of effort and you say, okay, let's get one on the board. Let's try to show that we can make these rushes, make these shots. Hopefully that will energize everything else, but clearly it's not working. No, no, let's just get one against the Sharks. Come on, let's let's get one. Say what you want about the Sharks. They got some pretty decent puck movers there. Yeah. Even if Carlson can't turn, he's still pretty quick on the straight line. And he said something recently that reminded me of you. What? Where he said he still thinks he's one of the best players in the league. I saw that. I saw people get really mad about that. I'm just like, leave him the hell alone. I don't think pe- people are way too hard on Eric Carlson, I think. They are. Like, he, like I, I know people were like, ah, you can't say. Like, people were going on about him being a locker room problem. Like, Evander Kane is right there. And Eric Carlson, who was like... Who literally, literally, like, ruined his career playing on one leg for the Sens in 2017. And we're going after Eric Carlson because he says he doesn't want to go through that again. When, like, he's literally sacrificed his body. Like, shut up. It's Eric Carr. No, I saw that clip and I'm like, okay, yeah, I love you. I believe in it, Eric. I just, <laughs> I just, it's, it's, it's blind faith, Eric, but I believe in you. By the way, the, the short hair is growing on me. He still looks amazing, though. It's unfair how hot that man is. Like, it's, it's, it's so unfair. <laughs> so, oh, it's great. What a great guy. Great but yeah, guy. I love him, too. Um, beside that, <laughs> game against the Sharks coming up. Hopefully they win. That'd be really nice. But knowing the Sharks is going to be like, oh, let's rally because Kane's awful. And then they win. 
and it's gonna be embarrassing. Sharks are actually like they're not that bad this year. Like, well, I mean, you know, it's small sample size, but they've been okay. Speaking of small sample size, it may be small, but the Blackhawks are awful. Yeah. So, so you know what? I'll tell you guys what something's funny. So, my friend Ethan, the guy who does like fantasy hockey, and he, he always Bear? asks me what Ethan Bear. No, not Ethan Bear. I wish. Cool guy. Um, but no, my friend Ethan McKay, who's like, I'm basically his AGM for his fantasy league. He's like, hey, Fluge, like, of these three goalies, who should I play and who should I sit on Saturday? And he has Grubauer, he has uh, Swayman, and he has uh, Jari. So before the game, I told him, okay, so Columbus just won against Arizona for the Kislenix game. They're high on emotion. Seattle can't score. Sit Grubauer. I believe in Swayman, play him, and play Jari because the Blackhawks are bad. What happened? Seattle lost in overtime. Uh, Boston beat Dallas. And then the Pittsburgh Penguins, like, 5 nothing after the first. And he just texted me, and he's like, you're the man. He, I nailed it for him. I felt good about that. Um, but the Blackhawks are, are, are just playing so awful. They have just... When Jack Johnson... We talked about this last episode... When Jack Johnson comes in with a wicked backhander, all respect due to you, and you get Marc-Andre Fleury chased in the first period, they cannot defend their way out of a paper bag. It is awful. It's as if like the work they did in the offseason just kind of crumbled, if I'm being honest. Like, with the expect, remember when they made all the moves, bringing in uh, Jones, bringing in Fleury, there was someone who tweeted that they were Stanley Cup contenders. Stanley Cup contenders. They compared them to Tampa. Excuse me. This this is their defense, by the way. And Daniel lagged out. We'll keep going. Seth Jones, Calvin DeHaan, Jake McCabe, Connor Murphy, Riley Stillman, and Eric Gustafson. So they brought him back. Oh yeah. Oh, so I know my mic cut out. So did you see the? Um, so obviously you saw the um, the the Jack Hughes goal, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So yeah, the the one in overtime, and everyone was giving Kane crap because he didn't pick up a jersey player, right? Which was totally deserved. He completely checked out on the play. You know who the defenseman was who was down and out trying to get the man and just blew it defensively? Was it Seth Jones? It was Eric. It was Eric Gustafson. Oh okay. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Seth Jones. I'm like, this guy is, but he has been through a lot this uh, last week. Seth Jones, like, it's just not great. Um, no, like that defense doesn't necessarily scream Stanley Cup contenders to me. Like, I, I believe Jake McCabe is a good defenseman. Uh, like, I believe that it's a competent defense. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we really have from right. Like they don't know what they have from Riley Stillman yet. He's 23, but the rest is just meh in my opinion. And then there's Seth Jones where, well, you're kind of tied to this guy forever. His defensive game has never either been sort of his, Oh my God. It's he's kind of one of those defense where it's like, I can log big minutes, but how many of those are defensively? Like if you need him at like a pit, like a goal in a pinch, Jones is good. Even in sort of people seem in this deteriorized, deteriorized in this sort of deteriorated form of his like physically, like, but like he can still contribute offensively. He can still skate. Um, But it's, it's just the, it's, it's like being as bad as Eric Carlson is, um, you know, as Eric Carlson is now with that just ripped apart ankle of his, 
but Seth Jones is healthy. Now, like, I know he's he had COVID and he's still recovering, but um, should we take a pause just quickly for Daniel? Yes. Alex, we are back. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it seems to be a throwback for a classic 201 episode because Daniel's internet has just completely taken him out. The good old um, days. Like Matt Cook did to Eric Carlson back wow. in the day. I, I hated Matt Cook. You know that? Oof. Yes. Um, okay. So what we're going to – we can finish off quickly here. Um, I want to talk about – we have a few things. First off, for, um, Katie Gay, the first female ref in AHL history. So you know how um, there's been word about all those NHL refs that are retiring this year? Yes. I wonder if next year – because obviously, I don't think you want to throw in a new referee, male or female, in the middle of an NHL season, uh, especially one that is you know around COVID and that. But I wouldn't be surprised if next year is when we finally see see women uh, officials in the NHL. I was just quickly thinking about that. Yeah, probably. I I, I mean, wouldn't be surprised. I believe it's four referees yes. are retiring. Four referees slash linemen and are retiring at the end of the year. So. You know, we saw one in the WHL, the OHL, and now the AHL. So there, there are women coming up. It's pretty cool to see. Um, yeah. Again, it's it's not hard. And again, hopefully they call the book. By the way, shout out to how the cross-checking thing is sort of already out the way. Blah, sorry. How um, how some cross-checking calls are already like, ah, we don't care anymore. Yeah, that really took a while. That took about two weeks. Oh, I keep hitting mute. No, not even. Didn't the season start last Tuesday? Yeah, but plus preseason. I mean, I think they they talked about it before preseason. So, oh, okay, great, fantastic, isn't that fun? <laughs> okay, well, so we'll finish with this um, again. Next episode, we should talk about um, a few different things here. Uh, AKA, we're going to talk about John Klingberg, uh, Mark Giordano being named captain of Seattle, and what that might do. Um, we'll save Kovalchuk being the GM of Team Russia. That's pretty okay. funny. Same with Ku, with uh, Pulak and Ekholm. But we're going to finish off today here with Alex. Is is as we now know, uh, Matt, Charlie McAvoy has extended with the Bruins next year. The, the contract kicks in. I believe it's eight years, and it's nine point five is the AAV. Correct. That is correct. Okay, so. What I what I want to kind of go off here is now you were not here the last time we did this is I want to quickly look at, instead of top 15, I am going to show you the top, get this, the top 10 highest paid defensemen in the league, but we're going to look at it for it next year. Are you ready for this? Sure. Because you got to admit, this is pretty nuts, the way contracts are looking up. While I'm getting this up, because I've just realized um, that I closed it by accident, what have these last few contracts made you think when it comes to Morgan Riley? I don't think it's changed my opinion on the Morgan Riley contract. I think these are young Norris contending defensemen who are signing. Uh, with the except, like, like I said, I think we had this discussion last episode. Um, I I take McCarr, Hughes, and McAvoy. I put mm-hmm. them in a box, and I say these these are the guys who are going to be contending for a Norris for years to come mm-hmm. once Hedman and, and, and the likes of him, those that caliber of elite talent decides to retire or start to drop off. These are the guys who are going to replace him as well as Adam Fox. I realized I forgot Adam Fox 
who won the Norris last year, like the four of them, we, we will see. We'll see what Fox's contract looks like, by the way, next year. That's going to be a big ticket. A big one. Jones, Wierenski, and um, Darnell Nurse are – I don't put them in the same box as what – like I think they're vastly overpaid, if I'm being honest. Sorry, say those names again. I heard Nurse. Wierenski, Jones, and Darnell Nurse. Those three guys that got yeah. paid this summer. Would you not argue they are vastly overpaid? Yeah, and but and I understand, I understand Wierenski, but Nurse, I'm like Nurse, Nurse too because of just what happened afterwards. But Seth Jones started everything, and I don't yes. get how that contract happened. Right, I don't understand it either. Like but to yeah, me, yeah. if if Morgan Riley walks in the room and says my comparables are Seth Jones. Zach Orensky and Darnell Nurse. I, I'm like, sorry, like I, I can't give you that. All right. So here are the top ten highest paid defensemen in the league. Right? Am, I ge- am I guessing, or are you? Are you? Um, I I'll just last I'll time we played, guess. I guessed. Um, so it's top ten by cap hit starting next season, being 2022, 2023. The tenth highest paid defenseman in the league. Well, no, you you can guess this one. Who do you think is the tenth highest paid player in the league? Defenseman, sorry. Take a guess. What's the salary? What's the salary? Give me a hint. Eight point eight. Oh, Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. Yeah. The tenth highest paid. <laughs> Ninth is Dougie at nine. Yeah. Same with Makar at nine. Roman Yossi at nine point five nine because numbers. Six is Darnell Nurse at six point two five. Six, sorry, five is McAvoy at nine point five. Same with four is Seth Jones. Wierenski is still three at nine point five, and then um, Ozzy Dowdy at eleven and eleven point five. Carlson. So again, Hamilton and Petrangelo probably the like the like most of your impressive right side of Team Canada are nine and ten. Haskinen's eleven. Here's here's what really makes me mad. Hughes is nineteen. Ekblad is 21st, McDonough is 25th, and Victor Hedman is 17th at 7.875. Yeah, there's a multiple defensemen in, uh, on that list that are missing, uh, for sure. And I think, again, like there's just guys who are vastly overpaid. And good for them for getting paid, man. Like I can't, oh, yeah. I, I can't even, can't even be mad at that. It's just, how do you let that happen? There's not a consensus among G. Like, did Seth? Do you think Seth Jones would have got nine and a half if he hit the open market? Uh, I don't see how. May because if there were if there were other defensemen setting the market, because if that deal doesn't happen. Maybe the Oilers don't go eight years with Don Arnorse and they do the other turn they were talking about because apparently yeah. that was kind of late. Wierenski, I doubt, gets that much because obviously he would go off of, okay, so the guy who just left got that. I want this and a little bit of spare change afterwards. I don't see it happening. I mean, look at look at what Jeff Petrie got last year at 6.2 being sent by Montreal. Right. Like the market, like Jones and Chicago changed everything. That's that's the really big problem. Like even with centers, we saw an established market. Like first line centers are getting like between like seven and like eight point two for like the more proven echelon guys on like that last big twenty eight deal. Yeah. 
but uh, it's it's hard to really see what would have happened if like if not for Seth Jones just sort of just going and just ruining everything. And now look at what's happening in Chicago with it. I'm not. It's not obviously all on him. I think no. you've also all of a sudden got a, a coach who so far hasn't dealt with much expectation for a winning team with Jeremy Colton. Again, I'm not saying it all, it's, it's all like all his fault. And if for some reason the play is to trade Strom, it's just one of those things where like, is that it? Like maybe at the deadline, if it's if there's an issue, maybe. But is this going to be like the American Thanksgiving deadline that normally happens? Or you know what I mean? There's just a lot yeah. of sort of confusing stuff there. Yeah, we really went off the topic of Charlie McAvoy's contract. Well, I mean, it's just, what can we say? I think it's a fair deal. I think it's a fair deal. Do you think, and I'm stealing this from somewhere, from uh, probably Jeff Merrick's show or 32 Thoughts, but they were talking about how does it change the pay structure of Boston? Okay, all right, all right. I'm getting so sick of this narrative, by the way. Because yeah, yeah. we both know this. Marshan didn't take less. No, he didn't. He he signed the same deal as like Goudreau and McKinnon did at yeah. the same time. Okay, Bergeron's contract. When did he even sign that thing? Forever ago. Oh, forever. It's ago. it's no, such bullcrap. No, but it's the mentality. It, no, but Pasternak had a good season. Pasternak. Yeah, yeah, but he wasn't. He wasn't won the Rocket Richard Pasternak. He was like the comparable was Eyes Nylander. He had eighty points in third in the year he signed the contract. The year uh, be one second. I can't do that. He had seventy points in seventy five games. That's almost point a game. Yeah, what was it? What was it? What was the? What's the cap it again? Like six point six. Six point six. Yeah. So that's. So think of it like that. He hadn't. How many goals did he have that year? He had thirty four. Yeah, so before that, a 40-goal scoring winger with Vlad Tarasenko was like 7.5. So maybe it was a bit less, but that was before the Pasternak-Bergeron line became a thing. I, if, okay, if we want to say Pasternak, sure, the rest of them did not take them. I, I refuse to believe that. I ref- refuse to believe it. Now, does it kind of say to the rest of Boston, maybe? Yeah, but at this point, I mean, who on the Bruins is going to command super money now? Especially because, you know, they're like, if they need a core guy sign, I mean, at this point, it, it's who is, it's, it's like no one else is there right now. No, because, like, let's be honest, like, wait, how, how much longer does Pastor not have on his deal? This year and next year. Really? Yeah. But th- so think of it like this, though. Next year, well, now Krejci's money is, is going to be gone. Well, no, well, sorry, there he is because no. he was the UFA. Well, Krejci, think of it like this. They gave Krejci. To Hall, pretty much. Yeah. So, but think of it. Think of it like this, right? Okay. Yeah. Bergeron's money will be gone, mm-hmm. and the Bruins will be rebuilding by the time that contract is up. Because in two more years, Bergeron will be gone, or he will no longer be Patrice Bergeron. Like, that is a fact. Sure. And by but, then, like the moment, pa- the moment, and not to mention Brad Marchand's what thirty-two now. Yeah, Brad Marchand thirty-three. And the yeah. moment the moment Pat falls off, they're screwed. So like by then, I doubt Pasternak's going to be a problem, especially because no. he's like, oh, I played the game for free. Because remember that that whole dumb narrative when he's like, ah, this, but he still took all the money in the world. Yeah. Like I, I just don't really buy it with the Bruins. I think it's kind of a sold narrative when everyone's like, yeah, like Bergeron signed. Can you please look at when Patrice Bergeron signed that contract? Because what uh, is it like seven million? 
Naive is it? Yeah, like, it's six point eight seven. Six point eight seven five. Six point uh, eight. Eight years. It was an eight-year contract. This is its so, last year. So eight. Dude, dude, dude. He signed it when Sid had one cup. Yeah. That that does not count. I'm sick of people using the Bruins. I'm sick of it. It is not real. It's not. I refuse to believe it. Patrice Bergeron did not expect when he signed that deal to all of a sudden be playing his best hockey at like 35 and Pasternak to turn into like the Czech version of Alex Ovechkin to be the he, best Czech player since Yarmir Yager in the league. I refuse to believe. So he signed that. Literally, let's see. He signed this deal on July twelfth, twenty thirteen. So this is a full year before he his contract ended. It was also the same year that they lost in the Cup final to the Blackhawks. Not wait, so wait. Would that have no? Would did he play with the punctured lung then or twenty eleven? Just think of it like that. How dumb would it have been to? Okay, no, I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not having it. I'm not, I don't believe it. Like to, to answer your question though, um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think the age. It's not even just McAvoy doing it. The entire, it's a new wave of young players deciding that. Um, hi there. I'm just gonna sort of go and sign the money now that I want. I mean, like, how many bridge deals are we really seeing anymore? It's not many. Just the Patterson one this year. Yeah, and that was such a necessity. And even that is, well, think, what was that, five years? Uh, three. Three, three. Okay, so it's a real bridge. But even that yeah. was what, around seven? It was less yeah. than Hughes, but. It was the Barzell deal, essentially. Remember when bridges were like two, three years at three point, like three million, two point eight? Carey Price's bridge was 2.8. Yeah. PK's were... was like two, three million. Yeah, and, and now there was we this have... weird shift. That it was that six year that six year deal where it was like well it's a bridge deal it's it's like <laughs> oh hey Aho has a bridge no they it's oh. walked him straight to free agent a bridge now walks you to free agency or a year before when you just do a qualifying offer yeah that's it's what not, the bridge is now that's the, that's not what a bridge what a bridge is is two to three years max three max yeah. You're you're supposed to prove the bridge deal is to prove yourself. You don't prove yourself over five years. You don't. Uh, you 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 can do it in much less, especially with the way the game's going. Um, but about McAvoy, like what you were saying about this deal, I'd much rather pay these guys now. Like, it, let's say you sign McAvoy to, because this is his bridge deal, right? Uh, he's on his bridge deal currently. What you can do sign him to another three year bridge deal. Yeah, what was it like two three years and it was like four point nine ish yeah, or around there. Years. Yeah, three years four point nine. Yeah, that was a legit one where you kind of knew okay, so like McAvoy is gonna come out of this. Yeah, well, it's better than if you do another short term deal and he's gone, and then like, he just walks anywhere else and they give him all the money because yeah, like, and even and and even the other guys like Makar like who signed the eight year deal, I would much rather pay if I'm the Avalanche. Pay Kale McCarr nine million dollars over six years. Yeah. Then say, okay, I'll give you three years at six million dollars, and then I'll have to pay you double that next time around. The mm-hmm. cap savings aren't necessarily what it what we think it is. No, listen, I'll, I'll 
men. With me and stars, I'm like, yo, if I have to go five years to bring it down to like a two, three million for a window, I'll take it. Like, oh, that, right, that's at least what I do in NHL 21. Obviously, it doesn't work <laughs> in real life, but man, if Tovinen wants to walk at the end of it, that's fine. And he did, and we won a cup without him, so he's a loser. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. By the way, it feels like the the Rangers are taking a lot of penalties in this game, especially when I see the Leafs are winning the shot clock twenty nine to twelve, and we're about awesome. to end the second period. I barely watched <laughs> watched the game. Yeah. I've been so concentrated. Uh, on that note, we'll finish it so you can at least go and enjoy the third period. Okay. I feel bad that you're having to do this instead it's of okay. watching the game. It's okay. Um, no, I say that because I'd be pissed. <laughs> Even though the Habs are awful right now. Okay. So, um, thank you for listening. Um, Daniel, if you're listening to the part you weren't on, hello. Hopefully your internet stops hating you. Um, I was going to watch Halloween Kills illegally, I mean, uh, on a certain site, um, but yeah. I'm just too tired. I'll watch it sometime soon. Um, on that note, um, thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the podcast as much as we do. Download the episode, please, because it really, really helps, and we actually have a goal in mind. We're not going to say it, but download the show. Good. It helps. Yeah. Um, so besides that, check out the TikTok and all that, Alex's blog. Um, check out my YouTube channel and check out everything Daniel does. CGRU and that his old eye opener stuff. He's such a great guy. We're big fans of Daniel, even though he's not here. He's there with our hearts. And uh, we'll see you next time.